The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. The award-winning podcast that's never won an award. It's like if a camera flash had a sound. Join the conversation on our social media. Another fun-filled and exciting episode. You're listening to Just Some Podcast. And here's your host... Ben and Tom. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. And this is Ben. Tom, how's it going, bud? So far, so good. Um, Ohio State won its game. I don't remember if we talked about that during the last episode. We did. Well, I just want to make sure everybody remembered that then. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State's the best team in college football, and I do not care at all for Clemson. I mean, Bama's okay, I guess, but man, I do not like Clemson. So, I only wish the wish, I only wish the worst for them. I mean, I don't want them hurt, but like maybe they get flat tires on the way to the game and they can't make it on time or something. I don't know. But like something really bad like that. But that's the worst level. Uh, how are you doing? Hey, man, I am still recovering from last night's Dallas Cowboys game. Ugh. It was a good game. It was hard fought. It was, you know, but it's like they always got to go down to the very last play. And I don't know. I know you didn't watch it live, but that uh, that ankle injury was nasty looking. Ugh. You know, for some reason, and I honestly, it's got to be some kind of psychological issue. We're going to have to have a somebody on here to examine me sometime. But an actual trauma in real life that arrived in the ER or happened in front of me in real life, for some reason, never didn't phase me. I could eat a sandwich while doing it. It, it wouldn't matter. But when you send me a slow motion video clip of like a guy's ankle breaking, I like, uh like I freeze up for a minute and I'm, uh, it's terrible and I can't figure that out. I can watch it in real life. I can deal with it in real life, but watching it on a video makes me cringe. So we're going to have to figure out what's the, what's up with that. I, I don't have a good answer for you on that, Tom. I don't know. You're just weird. <laughs> weird. is it's, you know, that's a pretty good word. I, I'd go with weird. That's cool. So, uh, you want to introduce our guest or you want me to introduce our guest for this week? Well, you know, I think uh, Mr. Greg will do an awesome job of getting this introduction in himself. So, Mr. Greg, do you want to jump in here and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, no one's ever called me Mr. before, so that's kind of, I'm kind of <laughs> flattered. Thank you. But yeah, my name's Greg. I work in the healthcare IT industry. Been doing it for over a decade now, different places around the country. So, a lot of vast experience dealing with practitioners and their love or hate of charting in an EMR. <laughs> Pretty much anything you you can think of, I've either had it said to me or said about me. <laughs> but, you know, it's all it's all for in the end of the day for the betterment of the patient. So should be an interesting episode. And while I agree it is in the interest of bettering patient care, I could literally hear in the future, people hitting pause or off when you said electronic medical records. Like, nope, not listening to this episode, done. Like, <laughs> If your downloads go down by 30%, don't blame me. <laughs> well, I'm not going to blame myself, Greg, so <laughs> it's, it's going to be you. So how can you tell us a little bit, like just briefly without any specific details, like how did you get into that field? Well, so I went to school, by the way, University of Alabama. Um, shout out. That's what I was kind of waiting on was I knew he uh, was a Bama fan. <laughs> yes, I will be watching tomorrow night. I actually have a Bama t-shirt as we record this. But um, <laughs> I went to school extra finance. And when I got out in 07, that was right when the stock market crashed. 
So trying to find a job in the financial industry wasn't working, but my minor was computer science. I was actually um, managing a lens crafters and I was burnt out. And at my parents' house, looking at a paper and I saw a healthcare tech company hiring. So I applied, took the skills test, got, you know, got the job making 27,000 a year, living the good life and then worked my way up from there. And then before I knew it, I got offered to be a consultant at another facility and moved on around the country and took me all over, working in different systems. And now I um, run a healthcare system in the Southwest. So basically what you're saying is you like, you like being a glutton for punishment and having people yell at you for stuff that's out of your control, or most likely they messed up, but you have to fix it. I tell a lot of people I get paid to get fussed at. I am so glad that there are people with sunny dispositions such as yourself because if it was me, there would literally be a knife fight at some point. So I oh. am so glad you oh. and your your positive attitude there, is oh, on there, that. There have been times where me and, me and providers have gone toe-to-toe over certain things. And it was one of those days where you're like, you know what? F this. We're just going to have it out. This is it. I lose my job. I lose my job. But we're going. It's go time. So yes, today's that day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, the movie Falling Down when he finally loses it. Oh, Michael yeah. Douglas. That, right? I've had those moments. It. I mean, it happens to the best of us. So. That is like one of my favorite movies. And the funny thing is, I saw a meme the other day, and it's absolutely true. Like the older I get, or the more I go to work and do my job, the more I understand that character. Like I enjoyed it when I was a kid. But now that I've been, you know, an adult for a while, I'm like, mm-hmm. Today, today's that day. Or my other one was always, uh, I don't know who you think I am, but I'm not that dude. Like, okay, you know, here we are. Like, you wanted it. Yes, we're gonna go there. So, oh, that's really interesting. So, is there any particular area of this that you specialize in, or is it just in general? Like, do you help design them? Do you help troubleshoot them? Or is it just kind of you do whatever you need to do? In different aspects of my career, I've done different things. I I started on the design side when I worked at a tech company, designing and writing out more so the technical side of it. When I left there, I started doing working more with clinicians on that side, uh, developing charting practices, workflow issues, that kind of thing. Now in my position, I'm more overseeing and giving general direction to the health system I'm in. So I've done all aspects of it, both financial and clinical. So, you know, I so like... you're well-rounded. I am. I do like the role I'm in, but I do miss the nuts and bolts days of just, hey, here's a problem. Let's fix it. Oh, so I'm sure you're a loyal listener, Greg. I'm sure every day you're just pondering what thing <laughs> we're going to talk about next. So since we're talking about, you know, electronics and all this other stuff... I'm sure you know what's coming next because it's Ben's favorite part of the show. It's the social media mm-hmm. shout out. Yes, yes. I actually do listen, so Ben, take it away. <laughs> well, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. We are on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com, or you can shoot us an email, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Tom, how else can they help the show? Well, the first thing they can do is use all those wonderful uh, social media sites that you just listed that I'm sure they're following us on and share us on their social media. The more the merrier. Then you can give us some reviews and ratings on our podcast sites. They really do help, and they also give us some feedback. I would like to actually talk about one thing before I go a little further into the Amazon affiliate. We actually got our first one-star rating. Yes, we day. did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I screenshot it and sent it to you. It was not a uh, didn't review it. It was just the rating, and it was like, oh look, Tom, someone hates us. <laughs> yeah, someone hates us. And here and here's the honest to god truth. First of all, we were sure at some point this was going to happen, and two that not everybody likes us as much as we like ourselves. That's completely understandable. Here's here's my only thing I, I would say: if you're going to rate us one star, if you're going to rate us any star, I just ask you tell us why. Like, I can't make myself better if I don't know why. If you just say, Tom, you sound like a shitbag in a telephone booth with a blender running, okay, I, I at least I know where I'm at, okay? But if it's just you don't like us cussing as much or you think we need to do something more interesting, we'd be happy to do so. 
if you just tell us. So please keep the reviews, keep the ratings coming, even if they're not five stars. Well, technically, no, don't rate me if you don't like the five star. But if you're going to at least tell me why we're not five stars. Beyond that, another way you can help the show is use our Amazon affiliate link. It's very simple. You just click on the website. You just click on the link. It takes you right to the Amazon so you can buy. The only thing I would suggest after learning this myself is that don't have anything in your basket prior to clicking on the link. If you already have stuff in your basket, it's really easy. You just click it in your save and then add it back to your basket when you're ready to purchase. And it's all tagged to us and can help us out and we can put that money back into the show. So those are some of the things that you can do to help us out. And since we have an IT specialist on the show today, I want to talk to him about, is there any way to hack into figure out who gave us that one star? <laughs> like, Is that possible, Greg? I'm, if, there's Google Analytics. Oh, that's yes. That's yes. <laughs> I heard that that minor like uh like I heard it. That means you think there's a way. I mean, there's there's a way. Now, will the federal government like that? No, but there's a way. <laughs> well, we're pretty much pirate radio at this point, anyways, Greg. So, <laughs> honestly, if the FBI was looking for us and that got on CNN, we would instantaneously get like ten thousand downloads. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I we have nothing left to lose at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, let's let, hey. Been- Start dispensing hot takes now and just, and just, just make them flame <laughs> yeah. and get, get the mute and the downloads up. Now, yeah, so yeah, you you uh, you one star out there, just to let you know we have an IT guy today. So just just on that there. But in all fairness, we, we did discuss it and we were like, okay, well we knew the day everybody didn't love us was gonna show up. But then I was like, okay, well what they say? And then Ben was like, Well, they didn't say anything. I was like, Well, how am I supposed to fix the problem? If I don't know what the problem is, that's all I'm saying. The reason we have an IT guy on and healthcare information is because, as we had talked about on the last episode, is we're looking at potentially expanding the show and going from just some podcast for advanced practitioners to just some podcast about healthcare and want to bring in some more of the healthcare domains into, I keep saying domains, healthcare disciplines into the mix. So this is another one of those test episodes, so... We're going to interview Greg, talk about all kinds of IT stuff, and tell us what you think about the show. You know, I'm going to start finding words that can be used somewhat interchangeably, like domain for discipline. And I'm going to say that, and you're going to be like, that, that, while that's okay, like you know it's not the word you would normally use, I'm going to start doing that as much as possible now. Because even when we discuss this offline, Greg, he consistently says stuff like domain and stuff, and I'm like, so RT is a domain now like is that a thing so it's it's while you know what he means it's kind of funny because he just consistently keeps going back to or uh like oh there we go yeah so on the video chat that me and him have uh yeah i'm getting a lot of middle fingers so that's pretty fun (laughs) so uh ben i'm sure greg was going to point out at this point this is where we usually go into stories you may have missed and this week is part healthcare and Part crime drama. Dum, dum, dum. Yes, it is. And this one is one that maybe not has been missed so much, but because it has been, at least it's made the rounds on my Facebook stuff. But a uh, woman in a vegetative state gave birth in Phoenix this week. And uh, while you might you know, initially think, oh, okay, well, maybe she was pregnant and then she got put into this vegetative state, uh, you know, because she had an accident or whatever happened. No, that's not the case. She's actually been in a vegetative state for almost a decade. So there's kind of some problems there. Yeah. If you've ever seen Kill Bill by Quentin Tarantino, I think we have an idea of what has been going on there. Now, that's allegedly... The police are investigating it, but no details have been released as of at least the time of this taping. I haven't heard any further details. And I don't know anything about the health of the mother and or child. But here's another thing I would like to just – everyone's like, oh, my God, she gave birth. And I'm so surprised. Wouldn't you have noticed in the past nine months that something was happening and maybe the police should have been called and started the investigation then? And see, that's what I thought, too. But the article that I pulled up was actually from azfamily.com, which is a local news affiliate in Arizona. Quote, none of the staff were aware that she was pregnant until she was pretty much giving birth, unquote. Uh, They were alerted to the fact that she was in labor because she was moaning and they did not know what was wrong with her. 
yeah, a person that's been in a vegetative state for 10 years moaning is probably going to grab everyone's attention. So the police, like you said, are investigating it. They are uh, determining if this was a sexual assault, which obviously would make sense given the fact that uh, she's in a vegetative state. I don't know what the law in Arizona is, but I'm really doubting she in some way consented to this happening. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say probably not. Greg, is there anywhere in an EMR to chart this? Yeah, you. I mean, you would chart it as... (laughs) I'm trying to think of the actual way you would do this. You would chart it as a pregnancy, you know, full term, and patients in the persistent vegetative state, you know, call Detective Benson and Stabler. For instance, <laughs> <laughs> Benson and Stabler. Oh, oh my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. I like that. <laughs> I, there's, I mean, I, I have kids. We all, I mean, I've been through childbirth. We've all seen childbirth. You know what's happening. <laughs> There's no, you know, you know the signs of childbirth, and yeah, yeah, I, you're not going to mistake that for a sneeze. That's amazing that that that, that happened like that. That's absolutely yeah. amazing. I and and that's I mean, there's so many questions I have on this one, and they all begin with, well, first of all, how didn't someone notice? And I mean, there may be an actual explanation. I don't know what it is, but it's one of those things like. Hey, I can guarantee you, though, this is going to have a ripple effect in LTAX, uh, long-term acute care or uh, long-term uh, care centers. There, There's going to be some complete rule changes coming up. I can feel it for people that are in those uh, long-term uh, care facilities. So just get prepared due to all this uh, media coverage. But I, I am sure there's going to be answers to some of these questions. I just... I, I don't know if we need to invade the person's privacy. They're already in a vegetative state, you know, and the kid deserves a life. But, I mean, certainly as a healthcare provider, there's so many questions I have, like, how did this come about? So I I feel – I don't know how to feel about it, to be honest. I mean, I feel sad for the patient because clearly something happened that shouldn't have, but – And apparently, I, according to the article – uh, this particular facility, I'm not going to name the facility, has somewhat of a checkered past anyway. Apparently in 2013, uh, Health and Human Services records reported that they had a uh, employee there making sexual statements about residents. Uh, he was accused of watching some clients masturbate. While Bailey, another client, told the staffer the client was going to have a, quote, happy morning, unquote. That staffer was fired and training policies were updated, but clearly, apparently there's still a, an issue at this particular facility. You know, again, not trying to make light of this case in general, but what you just said, I just had this whole like little mini movie scene of um, like firing Rick and some other like I don't know the guy's name. I'm just saying like let's say his name's Rick, right? And another guy shows up, but it's the same guy with like one of those fake noses and glasses costumes on. He's like, "My name's Steve," and they're like, "Okay, Steve, you're you're hired." Like, like guys, what what is going on here? How how did you not see Rick and Steve are the same person? Like, whoa, jeez. So I think before we <laughs> before we beat that horse to death, because it is a very interesting case, I would love to do an update if we get more information on that. Yeah. I think Ben, I think it's uh, I think it's time to start deep diving this episode. I agree with you. Let's. Uh... Well, instead of episode, would it be chapter or maybe? Um, uh, pursuit, uh, like I'm trying to think of some other words besides episode, like phase, like what what would you like to call it? facet division? Which uh, which thing would you like to call this, Ben? I have some words to describe you currently, but I'm not <laughs> them, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so take you two are the guys with more of the IT background, and I'm the guy with less. So. Why don't you guys take us down those roads, and maybe I will be the point of view of some of the people that have less experience with these. And that, yeah, I mean that's actually how I met Greg was because whenever I stepped away from clinical nursing uh, while I was getting my nurse practitioner, I took a job in IT and was the EMR administrator for the EMR that we use in our clinics currently. And that's kind of how I met Greg because he was doing some travel work at the time, right, Greg? That is correct. Yeah, I doing consulting work at the same facility and our we shared an office and I worked on the inpatient side as Ben worked on the clinical side and he was bringing the clinical side live actually and I was working on an established EMR system so Greg and you know we'll see what are these questions you can 
answer. We're gonna kind of just throw some things at you here. Why? Why do we use EMRs? Why do you, or Why do you think we use EMRs? Um, I think the overarching question answer to that is just the culture we're in now of information and how fast we want it. The microwave culture. This is the best way of doing it. I mean, the paper chart as it was. 25 years ago was efficient for the clinician, but to try and get that information from Seattle, Washington to Miami, Florida was hard. So now this admin of the electronic medical record said, okay, we can get the same information and we can store it and not have a paper record. So if there's a flood or a fire, we're okay and we're covered because the price of information, especially medical information in, in the world, is so high. You see so many now attempt ransomware attacks and attacks on hospitals to hold information hostage because in a legal sense, that stuff is worth millions upon millions of dollars. There was a hospital in California that got held for ransomware for, I think, $15 million, which is, I think, 2016. Wow. And the hospital had no choice to pay it because if they didn't, they were going to probably look at a lost judgment of, say, $100 million. So you pay the 15 to save 100. That's crazy. Um, so they yeah. so they pay that is crazy. 15? That information nowadays is, is, is a cash cow. And not just in a, I'm going to try to keep it healthcare here, but outside of healthcare, your Facebook, your Twitter, what clicks you do, all that is money. Every click, some sites, somebody's tracking it with an analytical software, and that is worth millions to people. So do the hospitals try and keep it under wraps when they're held ransom? Do they involve legal authorities? Because I'll be honest, I've never heard of that. Um, I've never heard of that uh, happening. Most major healthcare systems have a internal information security department that does get involved with local and generally federal law enforcement, and they'll keep it quiet as long as possible. Now, there are rules on the book saying once it hits a certain level, you have to inform all those involved. So you, if you ever get a letter, anybody listening, if you ever get a letter from a insurance or a, a hospital saying, hey, we had a breach and we're informing you what was affected. That is a general letter. It may have affected you, it may not have, but that's something that has been on the books since the high tech back in 2008 to make the consumer and the patient aware of what's going on. So you do keep it quiet for a minute, but then once it hits a certain level, the consumers must be known, uh, must be made aware of what's going on. Another thing that I see consistently, or I don't get like a directly an email, Tom, you mess this up, but just kind of to providers in general, hey, in accordance with meaningful use, et cetera, et cetera. I have a base idea of what that is, but can you explain it a little better? Or maybe for some of the people that don't have any clue what meaningful use is, can you kind of explain what meaningful use is and why we need to use EMRs to comply with that? Meaningful use is the, well, now it's called interoperability. If you want to, the new term of it is interoperability, but it, yeah, meaningful use is the concept and the, um, the mindset of using the electronic medical record and being a liaison for the patient. So in the sense of giving patients more information, this is how we do this. So we have to use these, we use electronic systems in the attempt that the patient will be more informed because if the patient's more informed, you guys know this, if the patient's more informed about themselves, they're a better patient. They take care of themselves better, which means downstream hospitals incur less costs because this patient knows, hey, I have diverticulitis. I should take a look at this more. I have diabetes. I have lupus. I have an ankle injury. So now I'm going to be more proactive in this. So the meaningful use aspect of things is the ability and the onus on hospitals to provide care to the patient through electronic means. Well, I think the patient being more informed, I think that's somewhat of a double-edged sword from a provider standpoint. Agree. Because, yes, it's great that they, they're informed. We, unfortunately, at the facility I work at, we use multiple EMRs. You know, we have one inpatient, we have one clinic, we have one ER. So sometimes patients will get results before I even see results. Or if I tell a patient, for example, like, hey, your CBC is normal, and then they're able to access that on the portal, and they see, oh, well, my MCV is actually a tenth of a percent off. Why did he tell me it's normal? Well, it's because of the way that we interpret that is not, you know, it's, it's not abnormal to us. And so I do, I do think that's somewhat of a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, totally agree. No, go ahead. Totally agree with that. And also, that's one of my biggest gripes with the whole mean fuse thing. The, the goal was the country was supposed to be on a, a health exchange where all information could be shared. Think of the interstate where everything's connected through. And we're there. The only problem is 
each state needs to, to build their exchange and then go on to connect to the federal one and then information can fast freely. Well, that's been 10 years now and there's a lot of states who have, for one reason or another, be it financial, be it political, in some cases laziness, have decided we're not there yet, we're not going to be there, we'll put it on the back burner and now this information can't be shared. So now we have patients who literally have to log into three different portals to get it and it puts the practitioner at a disadvantage because this patient seeing something in one side that the lab values in one hospital is different than the other. So, Ben, I think you're right on that. I was going to say, I, I truly want them to have that information. I want them to be informed. And, and in some ways, it makes my job easier when I can go, hey, you can look this up. This is a normal value. And they can see it. And they go, oh, okay, well, there it is. Like, it's not just my word. But then there is that double-edged sword where they see one value and I'm like, okay, well, in the overall totality of things, that's not going to matter. Or this is something I literally just ran into. I had a patient where I, I will say we'll be conservative, a 30-minute visit that should have never been 30 minutes in the first place because 20 of it was me trying to tell this person they absolutely didn't have meningitis. Like they were sure they had meningitis. And I was like, look, I, I'm not going to do a lumbar puncture, so I'm not going to say 100%, but based on everything that's going on right now, you don't have meningitis. But they looked it up on the internet. So they knew they had meningitis. And while I'm glad they're aware of what meningitis is and that they should be concerned about it, they also completely misconstrued some of the things that they were reading. So I get what Ben is saying. Like, that's the problem for us on the EMR side. So can Greg and Ben, can you guys kind of just inform us, like, was there a first EMR? Was there a first hospital system? Like, how did we get from the beginning to where we are now? Or at least briefly, how did we get to here from there. I believe the first And that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no. Nobody fucking knows. It's a black hole. Uh, the the inter the interwebs have swallowed this up and nobody is aware. Boom, there they were. Somebody said one day, hey, I heard there's a guy named Greg and he could do this cool thing and now we have EMRs. And, and- Someone, the idea came from someone. I think IBM may have started some back back in the late seventies, and then everyone said, "Hey, we can monetize this to hospitals," and that's it. That, <laughs> well, yeah, that honestly, yes, yeah. I think me and Ben were just shake our heads. We're like, "Yep, that sounds." I mean, w- there are those good side effects, you know. Fast, like you said, man, Seattle to Miami now, like, or you know, if you have to do a transplant, it's a couple clicks. Boom. We, we can make information happen. But at the same time, I don't think anybody was sitting around going, how can we cost ourselves lots of money and piss all the providers off at the same time? Yeah. Like what, what possible scenario leads to that? So Greg, so you're working in the field now. What are some of the current obstacles you see providers dealing with that we can avoid easily? Like I, like I don't expect you to explain everything to us, but like there are probably some common things that are in general, like that we should watch for or we can improve our our use of these EMRs if we just followed some simple rules or ideas. Um, I think the, the one I see big right now in my current facility is going from paper to electronic. We're, like everyone wants to be paperless, and that's the goal. Very few places are paperless. And yeah. what, the reason why is hospitals want to be paperless more so than anything else, but clinics can't afford to be paperless yet, or they don't want to spend the money. So we're having to go electronic in the hospital and print everything out and fax to the provider because the provider wants that paper because they, that's that they want their, well, you know how providers are sometimes. So <laughs> they, I, I've met a few. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we all have. So they want that paper. Hospitals hate that. Every as anybody that works in a hospital, they don't want a fax. Faxing sucks. It's an archaic technology from the 70s and 80s. So there's other ways of doing it, but the provider's not there yet. So that's the biggest thing is the, is the going back and forth from paper to, like, to electronic. So here here's one of the problems I guess I see with that. Mm-hmm. Like we have some forms where I can click on it and I can just edit it right there. Mm-hmm. And that's a very easy, easy and simple, I pick which form, I hit like a button so it shows that I can edit it, and then I click save, and it's in the patient's chart. I mean, it's 
on those forms, it's amazing, and I completely understand it. My question is then, why isn't every form available like that, I guess is what I'm saying. And I know you can't possibly tell me about every system and every form, but what I'm saying is they they have clearly done that in some cases. So why are there some forms or there is some information that is easily translatable, but we're still having that beyond the money? Because like I said, I work in a clinic. And we have some of those forms, but is it just an overall, is it still just an overall money issue or is it a technology issue? It's money because of technology. You're, you're, you're right on both accounts. EMR companies, I mean, they're businesses. They, they, they operate with as little overhead as possible to, for maximize profit. If they would spend the money on the program and technology side of it and the build side of it, they can get there. Now, a lot of them are doing that nowadays but there's a couple out there i want to name names who did that on the front end and got it right now everyone's trying to catch up it's just it's down to just hiring enough people to do the work that it takes to get those forms the way you just described and that makes a lot of sense because with one of the systems that we use in particular you can tell even from because the way that our like a if i put in like a ketotitis media for a diagnosis and then we get a drop down of you know, whether it's left or right, whether it's recurrent, non-recurrent, basically to, to be compliant with ICD-10, you can tell that some screens, it seemed like, were written by somebody with clinical experience, and some were written by programmers because they don't make as much sense as the other ones do. And so it probably is very much a issue with manpower. And also, I have yet to meet in my 11, 12 years of doing this, a MD slash Linux program. Um, it's hard for you <laughs> Trying to have that knife edge of programmer and provider is hard. it's hard for the, it's got to be hard for the companies, and that's why you, right. know, you said Ben. Some screens look like it's cl- like a clinician did this, okay, but in some it's like a programmer did it. And I, I mean, I'm and by trade, I'm a programmer myself. We're very linear. One's is very like black is white, but in the clinical world, black isn't always white. There's many different colors to the, in between, so. Trying to get both those to, to play in the same sandbox is a hard thing to do sometimes. And I have personally seen the money issue in this like implementation process you were just talking about. One of the hospitals I worked in, we switched EMRs, which I was there for the go live time. Talk about fun. Like if you've never been in a if you've never been in a somewhat busy ER and then at midnight, guess what? Everything you've ever done has just ceased to exist. That's super cool. But beyond that, they that company provided lots of on-site help. It was amazing. What I consistently ran into and I was like, mm-hmm. I had that little mm-hmm moment was They'd come over, they'd try and help me with something, and I'd be like, well, why can't I just click this or why can't I just do that? They're like, well, you can, but your hospital didn't pay for that option. Bingo. And you just sit there. Yeah, you sit there and you shake your head like, yeah, well, that dude didn't have to just innovate somebody. That's why they didn't put that shit in here. So I've seen that. I just – I didn't know if there was just some, though, technological impossibilities like, Tom, you can't just make – that happens. So, so basically, what you're telling me is, if we pay enough money, we can make it happen. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, in anything. If you, and that's in life. If I pay enough money, definitive. If I, if I want to go to the moon tomorrow, if I went to Elon Musk and slapped down some money, guess what? My ass is on the moon tomorrow. So, get a yeah, So, it, it's it's down to money. Like those functionality things that you complain about. If you go to the administration and say, hey. Let's get this. I'm pretty sure the EMR you have can do it. And if you give, if they don't, and you give them the money, they will find a way. Okay, so that brings up a really interesting aspect. Do you see what I just did there, Ben? Maybe a facet I was thinking of. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to be a thing for a while. And so what I was just thinking is, is there a way that possibly us as the provider on the opposite side of the screen can go to our administration and say, Hey, if I could start doing this, it will start making us money. Like how is there, is there, is there an internal, I guess, calculation system or something that the EMRs have that I could use to do that? Like how would I go about figuring out if it would save us money or cost us money to improve a function? Is there an easy way to do that? Actually, I think the easiest way would be a time analysis. Just do a time gap analysis. Like, literally take a timer and clock yourself doing one function. And if you say, hey, I can do this function in, say, six minutes faster, and over a course of a day, I can see five more patients, and I can bill out five more patients, and I can increase my RVU and your bill out, that's how you go to your administration. 
I mean, there are some systems that have internal clocks for stuff like that, but I would think an old-fashioned timer would work. I think the problem with that on that, that makes sense. So don't get me wrong on that. Yes, I can say okay. Well, I can save this time by doing it this way, and I can see this many more patients. That's all great from the administrator side. Well, then when we take it to the EMR, what from my experience, what tends to happen then is, well, we'll just add another checkbox, or we'll just add this. Which then, yes, it does address the situation, but then it's still time that the providers having to spend clicking boxes or checking yes or no or whatever the case may be. And that would be my fear, and I guess that's why I was saying I, I understand the the old fashioned way of doing it. I just didn't know if there was like if you were going to tell me, yeah, there's an inherent checklist system, or maybe a built in checklist system. Uh, which word do you prefer there, Ben? But which one of those, like, if there was that accountability? Uh huh. Did it see third one? If that was already something that you guys planned on in EMRs, like I didn't know if that was a function you guys had already said. Yeah, we're already on top of that, Tom. I just hadn't heard actually. Yes. Yeah. So in some EMRs, more so clinic EMRs and hospital EMRs, there are some built-in functionality. And the reason why it's more so in the clinic is because staff's smaller, and there's some things that can be caught quicker from a clinic standpoint, like certain wording for diagnoses or for coding or ICD-10 that can speed up the process. And you can end the checklist saying, okay, we've done this, but oh, we forgot this part. So there are some, that functionality does kind of exist. It's not as robust as it should be, but it, um, it is out there. And I don't want to bag completely on EMR systems. I mean, the one that we use in particular, you can submit what they call enhancement requests. And uh, now they do that online, and basically those get posted to every other site that uses a CMR. And if enough people say, hey, you know what, this would be a good idea, then that's kind of how they prioritize the things that they work on. So, I mean, they, they do try to make it better, but, I mean, I still think it's, you know, obviously going to be an issue no matter what. Well, and I completely believe that the people that work, like, I, I've met Greg multiple times before. I think he's a great guy. It, I don't believe that the people that are working on the EMR are like have some insidious intent or anything like that. It's just, I, it's sometimes the application seems so far off from the reality, at least to me. Of course, I'm still new. That I'm going. What, how did this even happen? I guess is like what I'm getting at, and it, it's hard for me to not bag on EMR or. When we go back to stuff like, you know, meaningful use or documentation, I spend way for every patient I see, it feels like there's a ratio for like every minute I spend with the patient, I'm going to spend three to five minutes charting. And that's, that's just ridiculous. I mean, I think that's a fair ratio, by the way. I'm not just saying that. No, I agree with you. I get jealous when I see like old time medical shows and I'm like, wow. So you got to just like see patients do cool shit and move on. You know, they, they didn't, you didn't see three patients and then like, well, I got to go back to the office to chart for an hour now. Like, Oh, that's, I, I, that's why I'm like, I don't want to sound like I hate EMRs. I don't. And I'm a little more technical savvy than the generation before me. So I don't mind using computers. It just seems like we have now drowned ourselves in the, the data instead of using it to our advantage. And that, and I, I'm going to ask both of you guys, and actually everyone who's listening, if they, you can reply back to Instagram or Twitter at Justin Podcast. I want to know, as a practitioner, are you opposed or not opposed to doing it at the bedside? Because this is a debate that we have, I've had for years now. We have some providers who will do it at the bedside, chart in real time with the patient, and then some providers that will say, no, I don't want to do that. And it's been kind of a 50-50 split. Tom, what are you? Yeah, you go first. So I will take my computer in the row, and I will chart the HPI, so which basically which is what the patient says, as we talked about in a previous episode. I will chart that in the bedside or at the bedside. Yeah. Beyond that, my charting is usually done after hours or after I'm done uh, with the patients for the day or during lunch. What about you, Tom? That is very similar to what I do, and I think that's just by virtue of my training is everybody I worked with and I went through, you know, training with, that's pretty much how they did it. So that's just how I learned to keep up with the flow. But that was going to actually, you know, Greg, I, you, you hit it right on the head because that was going to lead me to my next question for you is what is the future of EMRs? Are we going to move to something like maybe a PDA tablet app based system where I can actually just do a couple of thumb clicks while I'm talking to the patient. So it is more accurate and it is more real time. And that way, 
we can just upload that to a central EMR or is that just too convoluted of a process? No, we're kind of there now. The EMR I currently work with actually uh, at a facility I worked before, they used, and if they want to sponsor the show, please do Microsoft Surface. They <laughs> use um, Microsoft Surfaces that down to the EMR and they literally just a couple clicks and moved on. And then also they had uh, a dictation software, and there's a few of them out there. They had a speech mic, a uh, Bluetooth speech mic. So they would literally dictate on the patient while they're in the room. And then once they left the room, they're done hmm. with the patient. The charting's done and everything's done. See, that's fantastic. And big shout out to Greg, assuming Bill Gates hears this and we get some <laughs> Microsoft money. Like, I will personally come hug you, Greg, if that happens. So just just be prepared if you get a knock on your door one day and Tom's just standing there. But I that's I I've seen that not that particular application, but especially places, especially for like they're trying to do it on the smaller scale that I saw as a staff nurse, like for labs. Like you were getting basically iPhones with sensors on it and you scan their bracelet and all of a sudden everything comes up. And so it was a very quick, it was a much quicker process, but it's, it's hard to do all the charting we need to do now real time. They want that real time accuracy, but they fail to provide us a way in a lot of, for most of us, a way to complete it. And so that's why I was like, so what do you see as some of the other future options or what direction do Greg and Ben, what, what directions do you guys see IT taking us? I like the voice to text dictation just because it's coming from the provider's mouth. Like, and this is no shot to, to anyone, but like scribes, I think scribes are great in certain settings and larger ER settings, but at the same time, it's someone else's, someone else's typing that. So the liability is, is, is higher. I like it coming straight from the provider because it's there where they know what they're seeing. They're physically seeing it. As far as other technology advances, Amazon, I think, is quietly building, and this is my speculation, they're quietly doing a EMR or some sort of healthcare technology hybrid that's going to hit the market pretty soon, next, say, two years or so, that may, knowing how Jeff Bezos works, will change the game for everyone, along with Apple, with their wearable technology and stuff. Now that you, with Apple Watches, you can track vitals, I wouldn't be surprised if you would see iPhones with an attachment that would give do your vitals for you in real time and shoot to your EMR. I, that's that's one of the things I was going to say is I know I've seen um, I want to say Philips or maybe GE is like basically trying to make a hand. Uh, it's like the tricorder from Star Trek. A uh, little nerdy on my behalf to admit I've watched Star Trek because I'm a true Star Wars fans. Uh fucking trekkies yeah shut up so anyways but they basically yeah yeah but they basically have like um like portable ultrasound and everything else that is in a little machine and that's what i saw like in this like little future wave technology segment thing i saw on it is it's going to have all that information right there do you think there's going to be a way do you think there will be a time when that will just automatically upload or it'll say hey you know you scan the patient it's like the patient's an afib i hit confirm and now it's in their chart. Now I don't actually have to do any dictation. The machine is taking an accurate representation and we'll just confirm it. I think that's coming sooner than you think, Tom, because already Philips actually has with the telemetry systems and all, they, they can already interface with the EMR today. A lot of hospitals have gone that route and the system I'm working at, we're looking at that now to where whatever vitals the patients are getting, it's going in EMR in real time. So if there's a critical value or the patient's an AFib or the blood pressure's dropping, something like that, the provider can get an alert instantaneously. Now, the other side of that for now is the provider has to be on the system to see the alert, but that information is already being transferred at a, at a high rate of speed already. So I don't think we're far off from, from seeing that. I think, in my opinion, and I know we talked several times on the show about ZDog MD, but you know, that's one of the things that he talks about is, you know, so Health Health 1.0 was the paper charting. Health 2.0 uh, is currently kind of what we're in. And, you know, I think he has described it as kind of a, you know, we use billing software with a clinical charting attached to it. And that I certainly don't disagree with that. But then kind of starting to make that transition into Health 3.0, which is kind of bringing it back to being more clinical specific and getting the, more of the clinical aspect to it and then 
having the billing aspect attached to it as opposed to, I mean, because I think if you look at a lot of the EMRs now, that is what it is. It's basically we're trying to make sure that we're getting the billing correct and then we're just kind of attaching the chart to it. Honestly, as a new provider, that's basically part of what I'm still learning is this whole, oh, what do I have to put to suffice for billing, which does not make me feel good to be completely fair as a provider. Like I'm working my way around to suffice billing or insurance instead of just doing what I need to do. Like I'm not falsifying or doing anything like that. I'm just saying like you have to make sure you include certain information or make sure you check this box. And I'm like, but I like that has nothing to do with what I normally need to be doing. So here I am doing additional charting or whatever to suffice things that literally are not a direct impact on the patient, but they are a direct impact on my ability to charge or the hospital's ability to charge money. And I would also like to point out that Greg admitted that I could pretty much see the future. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I mean, Nobel Prize and seeing the future, I, do I know, do I have any limits? I don't think so. Randy was thinking on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, the pop site guys could get a hold of me, and we could we could do some diagramming and see what's going on here. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, la- I was gonna say last but least, you know, since we already talked a little bit about the the future, Greg, do you think there's any other new innovative technologies or anything that we're going to see at least? I mean. It, computer-wise or anything like that, that's going to be coming into our field that's going to impact how we do our job. I mean, I know you talked about it a little bit, but is there anything else? I think short-term wearable technology, I think is going to be the big thing. Being able to pull information from a person's smartwatch and being able to use that as a monitoring tool, I think is coming very soon. And being able to have that in the chart for the patient. Um, Also, like you talked about earlier with the iPad, iPhone, and being able to scan something on a patient and you be able to confirm, I think all that and communication. And there's some communication tools already out there. That's kind of the short term that I think will be happening pretty quickly. Long term, I think now that big technology giants are getting into the healthcare field, like Apple Health and Amazon doing this, they're kind of quiet, secret EMR type deal they've got going on. I think once they get involved, that's going to kind of raise the game. You know, it's the whole thing, rising tide, lift all boats. EMRs now, there's best of breeds, everything. But if a, a big company like Amazon gets involved and they can throw $5 billion behind something, it's going to make everything totally yeah. different. I think the big boys coming into play is going to change how me as a technology person and clinician see EMR technology and how the patient is cared for on a technology. From a technological aspect differently. Like you said, 3.0, health uh, charting 3.0 is going to be something that could be really, really cool and maybe for some people really dangerous because, you know, your information is in the cloud and people are scared of that and all that, but it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Obviously, the technology of, you know, cloud-based EMRs, cloud-based PAP, we have the ability now to cloud images to several other facilities from our packs. So clearly that technology is not going anywhere. It's going to continue to improve over time. And it's, it's, it's evolution. It's, you know, just like the human body. I mean, these things have to evolve. Some things will work. Some things will not work. We're getting there. It's frustrating, but one day at a time, we all kind of get through it. Well, I honestly, especially, and I'm not just saying because Amazon, Apple, but when some big corporation or conglomerate finally gets together and says, hey, we can make a real impact. We're going to put our foot down and do something. I think you're right. I think you're going to see everybody is going to come together or step up their game. And some of the things that we're bitching about now, like at least practitioner side, we're bitching about now, you're going to see a lot of improvement. And I, for one, can't wait till that happens, especially when I can just be like, hey, Amazon, chart patient uh, had a heart attack, and then it just does it. I'm like, sweet, time to go back to my Xbox. That's what I'll be saying. (laughs) So, (laughs) Should you say that on air? Um, (laughs) 
the best thing to do. <laughs> so, if anybody thinks, as a new nurse practitioner, I have time to sit around while I'm doing stuff, then I think they're listening to the wrong show at this point. But, you know, <laughs> if I'm not worried about it, I'll just text uh, Ben here in a while and be like, mm, you might want to cut that, bro, bro. <laughs> you might want to make that disappear. So, especially when Greg's like, you're dumb. Like, oh, shit. Like, like you can't come back and Greg would be like, that's funny. Oh, that's just that we're keeping it. But now, now it just looks bad. I just like the both Amazon and Microsoft uh, plugs out there. That was nice. Yeah. I'm going to help you guys out. Okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like the kids say now, shoot your shot. I mean, mm. why aim for some low you get a sponsor, get a sponsor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like you said, Jeff Bezos, if uh, he's like, hey, I kind of like these guys. I got, you know, 20 million in couch change laying around. Like, let's do something. That's what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I got no problem with that. And that's why, the, uh, you know, this episode is sponsored by Amazon. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I will say that all day long. Or if they're like, Tom, uh, Ben's right, your voice is horrible. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'll just type it in Stephen Hawkins this whole episode. I don't care. So you just do whatever you need to. <laughs> I'll, I'll pour a little out for Stephen Hawkins. <laughs> of course, if we do somehow get Microsoft or Amazon out of this, uh, Greg, you're going to have to be on the show a lot more. <laughs> just saying. Okay, so this is Greg time. Greg, what do you want to say? Um, well, I mean, I think I actually want to kind of bounce back to you guys. The only from my from a technology standpoint, called being a glutton for punishment, but like, what each of you guys, what's like your one or two biggest gripes with EMR technology? Tom, you go first. Yeah, I, honestly. So first of all, again, I think I've said it like three times already this episode. I guess it's just coming up. But as a new practitioner trying to learn all the ins and outs, and it feels like Certainly, this isn't the first EMR I've used, but it's the first EMR I've been on as a practitioner, and I think the system I'm working on is is pretty good. I will tell you, though, it feels like there are multiple places to do the same thing, and I talk to one person. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to chart this. Where do I go? Oh, you go over here. Okay. The next person will say something else. Why can't we streamline this process more? It just feels like redundancy for the sake of redundancy and i'm having to find multiple ways to do the same thing and it's just frustrating like why can't i just do the same thing every time and it'd be a simple streamlined process that to me beyond the fact that i'm doing way too much charting besides the fact we're just doing way too much it's still too much charting per patient care i i think that's my biggest gripe is the the lack of simplicity and you're on the the multiple ways of doing it. You're exactly right. Every EMR is like that. And from my aspect, I have no freaking clue why. <laughs> I there's there's no I have no answer for it. Every EMR I've dealt with, there's you can chart six different. I and I this is complete speculation, but I think it comes back to when they're building it or some providers are like, well, I want to be able to do it this way. Instead of the hospital system just saying, no, everyone has to go to click A and then you click B, then you click C. Some of these guys are like, no, I want to click D, E, and F. And so they allow that to happen. Or something comes up and instead of thoroughly going through spending the money and making it so that that's then built into A, B, and C, they just add on D, E, and F. So now <laughs> I have that, – that's just how it feels. Like when I'm doing it, I'm just like – who the hell added this or why is this here? And it just feels, it just makes it feel so convoluted to try and get the same message out. That should be so simple. You're exactly right. And that's where your hospital administration has to put their foot down and on providers and say, no, this is how we're going to do it and make it this way across the board. But in certain areas, more rural, so more so than urban, they're afraid of losing a provider over a technology piece. So they just say, okay, we'll do it this way. Yeah, I can see that. And for me, and I'm not a click counter, and matter of fact, when I worked IT, I, it, the click counters used to kind of piss me off a little bit. You know, like, well, it took me seven clicks oh, to do God. this. Um, I know you <laughs> Now, now. Um, <laughs> but I don't realize, because I mean, I guess you just get into a flow and you don't really notice it until I was training someone else on how to print something, like an orders requisition from our system. And I'm like, it took a good minute and a half to go through. Well, you click here. Okay, now you got to click over here. And now you click here. And now you got to select print. And now you got to click this. And now you got to make sure your signature's added to it. 
and now you got to be able to print it. And I'm like, my God, I do that every time, and you just don't think about it until you're sitting there and actually do it trying to train someone. And and again, that's like what I'm saying for me. Like, wait, wait a second. I just want to document ankle pain. Like, why am I having to go into here, 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 and here? But then when I ask Ben a question about, well, what would you say here? He can do it a completely different way. And I'm clicking 32 times to make the same information happen. And I, I just feel like it's just getting out of control. It is. And it's some of that, too, is actually per facility. It's workful education. I've seen hospitals when the hospitals have an education department to where all the education is about one person is uniformed have a better grasp of that as opposed to in a lot of hospitals around the country and a lot of clinics, there is no education department. So it's kind of a decentralized training from a technical standpoint. So, you know, Tom, you may have learned from one person how to do something, but then Ben may learn from a different person and you guys are doing two different things, but you're accomplishing the same goal. And that's where the decentralization happens. So. And honestly, I actually saw that when I was talking about when we did some of the basic training for the EMR switch at the hospital I was talking about earlier. Literally, that's what would happen is obviously they couldn't send the whole hospital to the same class. So the people, the ER nurses that went two weeks before I went, either things had been updated or changed. So literally in 10 business days, there was now a complete new way of doing things in some cases. And so when the go live happened, it was like four train wrecks like happening at once because some people had gone through all their training, but they didn't get the new update. And some person got taught by person A, which was different than person B. And it, it that's what it led to was that very thing you're just talking about is we had multiple people teaching multiple ways over multiple times. And it led to this system where, you know, person A thought you were supposed to go under this document and the next person's like, no, you're supposed to go to this file, you know, like what this dropped down. And it led to the exact same thing you're just talking about. And so I've seen it. I went through it and it's just, it's super frustrating. And then on the flip side, when the provider was trying to check, so this is ER, but I'm sure this would apply to inpatient or anything like that. When the provider's like, Tom, you didn't give this person uh, their IV. And I'm like, yes, I did. I charted it right here. It wasn't showing up on their side. So now we were having a loss of communication through the computer system because the charting wasn't communicating through to them. And so that's some of the things I'm seeing now. And I go, why is this so hard? Why why is it showing up anywhere but this one spot? And that's my biggest frustration. So, Ben, I think. Greg is probably talked out from us for a minute, <laughs> though I do appreciate all the shout outs to Amazon, Microsoft, and or any other corporation that wants to sponsor us in any way whatsoever. Apple. <laughs> Apple. Yeah. How can I forget Apple? Like everything I have is Apple. How did I forget Apple? Yeah. Throw out whatever other names you want, Greg. But uh, I think it's time to wrap up the show. And what is it that we do? Oh, yeah. We do another social media shout out. So, Ben. Such a dumbass. <laughs> I know. I love that, though. All right, you can find us on. But you're, but you're, but you're smiling really big. So you can call me dumbass all you want, but you know you love it. You know in the cockles of your heart that you love this. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. Find us on the web www.justsomepodcast.com. Email us. Tell us some of your IT problems and. What are some of the things that you don't like about information technology and EMRs? And we'll pass that along to Greg. Our email, admin at justsomepodcast.com. And Greg, do you want to do any shout outs for any podcast? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yes, I will go into business for myself now. Um, <laughs> so, no, I am developing a network called Tech Crossover. And what it is, and yes, I work in information technology, but I'm taking a step back from that and looking at technology as a whole and how it intersects with our lives. Not just healthcare, but every aspect you can think of. And so I'm, I'm going to talk to different people from different you know, walks of life and different professions of how technology impacts them. We're going to go over some news things, kind of like you guys do, and open it up to the people to answer some questions as well. So it's kind of a different track than um, normal, normally I just deal with healthcare technology, but we're kind of doing something a little different here. So it would be techcrossover.com, Instagram, same, t- Twitter, the same, all techcrossover. And you'll see that out 
um, in the ether here in the next few days after this is released. Is that T E C H crossover all one word? Is there any hyphens? All one word. No, all one okay. word. Okay. Yeah. Good. So everybody needs to visit all those as soon as possible. We'll make sure that we throw those down in the description of this episode. And we'll throw that on our social media too to make sure that Greg gets some love that he needs. Yes. Much love to Greg. Great show. I had a lot of fun about a subject that I'll be honest, I was I wanted to talk to Greg. Like I said, I've met Greg. I, I think he's a great guy. But EMRs. I was like, mm. it was just like the billing episode. I was like, how the hell are we going to have a good time <laughs> talking about a subject that most people will just like, Bleh. they do that noise when they hear about it. So I actually had a really great time. I had a good conversation, I think. Me too. This, this was fun. No, I, just, I enjoyed myself on this. this is, you guys are great. Oh, see, look at that. He said I was great, Ben. Jesus. Pop Psych 101, guys, and see if we <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I think, uh, I don't know if my ego could get much more inflated. So, this is Tom saying, I hope everybody has a great week. This has been, have a great week, everybody.